0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is Pastor Mark Diedrich. Mark, it's an honor to have you here today. Good to be here, Dan. It's been a while, and uh, my apology. I I, uh, I think it's been a long time, so thanks you've a lot. You've
1: had great people there. I've been loving listening <laughs> to the plain answers, uh,
0: and you've had wonderful people. Well, uh, today we're going to be talking about the Reformation. Um, it's about a what a a month away before we have Reformation Day. Um, America likes to call it Halloween, and I kind of <laughs> grit my teeth at that. That's it's idea. supposed to be Reformation Day. It, it is Halloween Day. stuff. <laughs> but anyway, uh, um, the, uh, it's a big deal, right? Because this year is the five hundredth year celebration.
1: That's right of
0: the Reformation.
1: Five hundred years ago, Luther nailed the ninety-five theses. On the Wittenberg door, having no idea
0: what a huge thing that was going to be. I guess uh, Luther was a very interesting person too. Right. Uh, I don't know if you'll get into that today, but you know we'll be talking about yes. Luther a little bit, and uh, you've studied his life. And uh, what well, was he? He was a monk, right? Well, initially, you know, you have to understand he was born in
1: 1483, and and so. His father, Hans, and his his mother, Margareta, uh, they were peasants, but they were peasants that did very well. You know, he was a miner and a smelter, and uh, so they made sure that Luther got a good education, and they didn't want him to wind up in the mines. And so he was educated first at, at Mansfeld and then Eisenach, and then they had him going as a student in 151 to uh, Erfurt, and that would be equivalent to our college Mm -hmm. kind of thing, and he was to be studying law. And so he went to school, and then he'd have breaks and come home, and so that's what he was doing. He was studying law. Hmm. And uh, one of the times, and I believe it was coming from home, going back to school, he got caught in a vicious thunderstorm. And the thunderstorm he had a bolt of lightning come so close to him, it scared him so so badly that he cried out to St. Anne. That's interesting. Save me, St. Anne, and, and and I will become a monk. Yeah, you know, I had heard that before and I'd forgotten about it. <laughs> yeah. And so it was very interesting because uh, apparently he had his friends and classmates and and he, he made good on it. Yeah. He He went to the monastery. It was an Augustinian monastery. He knocked on the door. He went in, and uh, one of the brothers showed him in, Mm -hmm. and then his friends waited and waited and waited, and he never came back out. (laughs) And so it's... He was gone. He was gone. And so you you have him becoming an Augustinian monk, and it was to try to save his soul. And if there's anything where I would say there's a great difference between our day and age today... Mm In the day and age in which Luther lived, is people were much more conscious of death and much more afraid of it. And the reason was because the Black Death was around, most people didn't live all that long. If you had children, uh, you could expect any number of them, at least a third of them, to die in infancy. Death was there.
0: And the the next question is, what happens to me when I die? Oh, yes, yes. It reminds you of that scripture verse that uh, it's good to go to the house of mourning because right. there the living will apply it to their hearts.
1: Exactly, exactly. And that's what Luther was. And so he's trying to save his soul. And so he enters this Augustinian monastery in 15.5. He's ordained a priest in 15.7. And uh, he's frightened about uh, when he does uh, the Mass, his first Mass, apparently he uh, got very nervous about it and uh, hmm. uh, because he's afraid of doing something wrong mm-hmm. and in that way damning his soul, you know. And so at, at any rate, he then went to uh, teach theology and he was very hard on himself, you know, because... That's what I recall. That- he was always, you know, how much enough is enough? Right. How much good works do I have to do? And that was a big problem. And in fact, his confessor, Staupitz, I always try to give the example. You know, uh, he was the confessor, and so Luther would confess his sins to Staupitz. <laughs> and but Luther was like, if. Any of our listeners remember the old Colombo program? <laughs> you know, Peter Falk is Colombo, you know, and he's he's this guy and he's he's asking questions and he's you think he's all done, and then he goes to leave, and he says, "Oh, just I just <laughs> yep. one more little question," and he keeps, and that is Luther with Stopitz. Oh, Luther is like, "Okay, Stopitz is like, oh, good, his, he's done with his confession," and then Luther did one more. Uh, the, I just thought of one more, and just <laughs> one more, and <laughs> and, and finally uh, decided him to send him as a representative to Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some business needed to be done with the Augustinians. Luther went to Rome with a companion. And uh, he spent quite a bit of time in Rome. And, of course, he he did all the stairs, you know, mm-hmm. a, and, and all these masses. And there's all kinds of places to say masses for those who uh, were dead and uh, to get them out of purgatory. And so Luther actually later said, at that time, I kind of wished my parents were dead so I could pray them out of and oh do my. masses to get them out of purgatory.
0: Uh huh. So he had inherited um, some theology uh, right. from his background. Uh, some of it was probably good. Some of it was not so good. And, and so he starts to address that. You're exactly right, and and he realizes that some of it was not so good. And he's also
1: seeing something else, which opens his eyes. Because he was seeing the corruption that was in the church. Mm-hmm. And while he was in Rome, he's looking about, and there are all these brothels, and the brothels are there for the priests. Uh-oh.
0: That's he, a big problem.
1: Yes. And yeah. and and so there's rampant immorality, and, and there was at this time. I mm-hmm. mean, we just certainly don't want to transfer it to today, you know, and and blame Catholic priests for no. what happened back then, but that's the reality of it. Was mm-hmm. that's that's the way it was back then, and, and they had, and that was reached into the popes. It reached into the
0: whole system. Mm, very interesting. Um, before we open the mic, I, I know I'm jumping ahead, and I can't resist it. And that is, uh, you mentioned a tidbit that's uh, in the background here, and that is. Uh, we probably would not have a United States of America if it was not for the Reformation. So I know that's coming up. You'll probably comment about that, but mm-hmm. I just want to whet your whistle that, that, that we're going to talk about that briefly. <laughs> yes. Now, let's uh, talk a little bit um, – I don't want to interrupt you, but um, what was some of the content of his 95 Theses? I, I, I've got it up here on the on the computer. What Which one's kind of – Come to the top. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, I would I would actually pick them. It it was the whole thrust of what was
1: going on uh-huh. because you see, in fifteen ten when when Luther was in Rome, he hadn't had his conversion yet. That conversion was not going to happen until My. about fifteen fifteen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and in the meantime, when he went back, he became a lecturer and a doctor of theology. He was a very brilliant man. And so, he was lecturing on the Psalms. He was lecturing on Romans.
0: Now, is this before his conversion?
1: And That's before his conversion. That's wow. all part of it. Yeah. And he's, as he's studying the Scriptures, he's looking at it, and then he looks at Romans 1, where it says, The just shall live by faith. By faith. And of course, he's a good greek student and he he studies that and he realizes it had always been taught to him the just shall live by their faithfulness okay and now he realizes now the proper translation is the just shall live by their faith in other words they're justified not by what they do but by what Jesus Christ did, yeah, and dying on the cross. Now that,
0: that's a big difference here. That um, is I, huge. I mean, that, that's got to come out. That um, there's a transaction, if you will, that takes place where yes. the righteousness of Jesus Christ is credited to your account. Exactly right. And and, and when God sees your life, He sees it through. Through Jesus. Yes. And therefore, he sees a perfect holy life. And you know that your life is not perfect, and I'm not. But because of Jesus, our sins are washed away. And and what he will do in a few years, he'll write a book called the,
1: On the Bondage of the Will. Oh, I remember that. And then he, oh, he he will be talking about how totally corrupt we are, how we cannot right. save ourselves, and that it is only God's grace that does it. His grace alone. That was a good book. I remember
0: years ago, I was reading, um, trying to understand uh, Reformation faith basically. Yeah. uh, From about, in my personal life, from about 1988 through Mm -hmm. 1993. And that was one of the books that I picked up. I don't Uh know if I finished it all the way, but it was helpful. Yes. Yeah, it was very good. Again, I read that many
1: years ago, so it's <laughs> yeah. not fresh in my memory. No. But it was it was a, an excellent exposition, and so here we have him, and he's starting. He's understanding this, and so you have this conversion in fifteen fifteen. But now we have to back up a little bit and find out what caused those ninety five theses, and and the cause of that was again the corruption that had crept in over the years, in, into the church and how they did things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was, and of course we have this whole feudal system, we have this whole hierarchical system with monarchy and everything and the secular, and what happens in the feudal system is oldest son gets all the land. So what do you do with son number two or son number yeah. three? Oh, that's where the church comes in. <laughs> you make them a bishop
0: whether they want it or not
1: well it, it was a political more of <laughs> yeah. a political thing than a theological so thing. it's not
0: really a calling by god no a man of god oh, and, and he no he, he, he can't resist the calling it must go into the ministry this is something like you say political right yeah. and and so um a
1: young man by the name of albert and his brother decided well he needs to His oldest brother says, you need to be a bishop here. And there was a number of bishoprics open. Hmm. Now, there's a problem with Albert. First off, he was too young Hmm. to actually be an archbishop. The second problem was you're only supposed to have one. And they were really opting for actually three, and especially the big prize was the bishopric of Mainz. Hmm. And so they come to the pope and say, hey, how about doing this? And the Pope at the time is Pope Leo X, and Pope Leo X says it's possible, special dispensation <laughs> for the right price. Uh, for
0: the right price, yeah.
1: And that's always what it was, it was mm-hmm. for the right price. Yeah. And so it is said that they they dickered back and forth, that, that Albert said, okay, 7,000 ducats for the seven deadly sins. And hmm. And Leo said, no, no, 12,000 ducats for the 12 disciples. And then they settled on 10,000 ducats for the Ten Commandments. You know, wow. made it all very spiritual. Oh, yeah, right. You can
0: justify <laughs> anything, yeah.
1: And so, but now there's this big debt that Albert owns, owes uh, Leo. And uh, and of course, Leo's uh, refurbishing St. Peter's and building it. And they need money badly mm-hmm. and so how do you get it ah the pope can declare an indulgence
0: oh that's what that that's how that originated huh? yeah, well
1: they've had indulgences they've before had that
0: but you oh, know okay.
1: this was this was the one specifically agreed on and so they got okay. one of the best indulgence sellers around <laughs> a man by the name of Johannes Tetzel which by the way looking into his background he was a very wealthy man because indulgent selling paid very well especially if you did it right now i'm going to interject here if you want to there was a luther movie that came out fairly recently i don't remember the exact date that it came out but uh that's worth watching oh okay because it's it's Fairly accurate. It does a a faithful job of representing it and it does show the indulgence sellers how they would come in mm-hmm. and especially Tetzel. He was a great showman. Mm. Oh, he would send people ahead of time and and, and show them have a morality play and showing the tortures of hell and purgatory and all the mm-hmm. all the the horrible things and then he would show up while he has all these people scared to death. And then he would uh, sell his indulgences mm. when the coin and the coffer rings then the soul from purgatory Springs. oh yes I heard that yeah. yes and so he had this he had a, a great sales pitch <laughs> now he never got to Wittenberg because Frederick the Wise wouldn't let him in but he was close enough that a lot of people from Wittenberg went and bought ball- Indulgences And that mm-hmm. scandalized Luther. Uh, yes. And so he nails the 95 theses against
0: the indulgences and the indulgent sellers. Now, this nailing of theses, um, this is something that was normally done among the scholarly community,
2: if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, the, the, the church door was the kind of the bulletin board for the yeah. community. Okay. And so when he nailed the 95 theses on it, he was basically... Putting up a notice, and this is what I want to debate. Let's talk about this yeah. thing. You know, yeah. this is and and the thing was, you know, this is post Gutenberg. Hmm. So the printing press, uh, the printers got a hold of that thing, and they they ah. printed them left and right, and so they, right. they spread like
0: wildfire. Yeah, that's uh, analogous today. Uh, posting something to social media, exactly and having it right, spread all around. Yep. Okay. Well, um, that's interesting. Um, now I interrupted you. Keep going. Uh, you were just asking
1: some of the the big thing. Well, one of the big things was he said, you know, indulgences can't save anyone. No, and in fact, understand at this point, Luther thinks Leo the Tenth will be on his side. Mm-hmm. He thinks Leo's will be scandalized
0: when. And who is Leo X again? He's the Pope right He's now. The pope. And he thought he was going to be on the side. Yeah. Interesting. And, and,
1: and he just thought, well, logically, if the Pope has this authority, then he would, by the compassion of his own heart, empty purgatory by giving an indulgence. Hmm. And so Luther's challenging the power of the Pope to actually do
0: this. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. And so that, of course, becomes a big scandal. And what happens right after that, the Pope, they just want to silence him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he meets with Cardinal Cajetan, and Cajetan just says, Do you recant? You're right, you're right. And Luther says, No, I can't. I would, no. Can we discuss it? No. We can't discuss it. There's no discussion going on. In fact, Cajetan was, was actually so told who, who wanted not
0: to, to do it. Who wanted to discuss?
1: Luther did. Luther right. wanted to have this debate, and Cajetan okay. had orders from the Pope, don't, don't discuss okay. it. And so, interesting, there's a lot of a little intrigues that are going on here. <laughs> I because there was even a thought, we're coming up onto the point where Maximilian, the Holy Roman Emperor, had died. Hmm. And Charles V was due to take over. The Pope didn't want Charles V, then. and there was even some thought, and there's some rumors going about that Leo was willing to give Lutheran Archbishopric <laughs> to shut him up if Just he could, if he could convince Frederick the Wise at Wittenberg, you know, the the ruler there. To, to go against Charles V. So anyhow, some, some of the intrigues that, that go on. Obviously, uh, Charles V was a, it was a foregone conclusion. So at any rate, Luther was never offered the position. Instead, Luther was offered a safe passage to a big meeting, what they call a diet, the Diet oh, yeah. of Worms. And and so they meet there. Uh, Charles V is there. A lot of the German uh, nobility is there. Frederick the Wise is part of that. So Luther goes to the Diet of Arms. Luther's thinking he's going to go there and be able to defend his position. Instead, at the Diet of Arms, he basically is told he must recant. Okay. And no, no debate allowed. No debate. Okay. No real debate. Uh, Luther gets a few licks in there, but okay. basically he says, I can't I can't refute all this. Let me look at my things overnight. He looks at them overnight. He comes back the next day, and that's where we get this, this very uh, famous saying, which some people say is apocryphal, but most of it's not. We know that he says, unless I'm convinced by reason... And the scriptures, I cannot recant. And then the apocryphal part is: here I stand;
0: I can do no other. Okay, yeah, we we've all heard that. I think, yeah, it's interesting.
1: And and so at that point, he is actually convicted. Now he did have his debate. Actually, it was two years earlier in Leipzig, the the Leipzig disputations. He had a year earlier with uh, Johannes Eck in fifteen nineteen. He had a disputation with Johannes Eck, and that was also a fascinating thing, because actually it wasn't from him. The the disputation started off between Johannes Eck and another Wittenberg professor, Andreas von Karlstadt. Now, Eck was a great debater. (laughs) Karlstadt was not, but Karlstadt was a plotter. He had his books. He'd bring all mm-hmm. his books in, and he'd stack them up. And Eck was quick, quick, quick. Carlstadt would start leafing through his books mm-hmm. and everything. And finally, after a few days of that, Eck says, we're changing the rules. You can't have the books anymore. Oh. Because what they would realized, even though during the debate, Eck was shined, looked like the winner hands down. Mm-hmm. However, because there were secretaries writing this all out, and then it would be sent out to the universities. Oh yes. Once they started looking just at the transcript, mm-hmm. Karlstadt <laughs> would look like he's made some really great points, and yeah. so Eck realized this, and he, he got rid of that. Well, Karlstadt had a hard time after that, but Eck really wanted Luther. Luther was there, <laughs> and so then they got into the debates and there was a big disputation and mm-hmm. one of the things you understand about Luther he's a brilliant man yeah he knew the fathers inside and out the early church fathers oh, right. he knew the scriptures inside and yeah, out i was
0: just going to say besides the scripture he knows the fathers also and yeah. and
1: and so Act knew the canon law a little better hmm. but Luther knew the fathers and he knew the scriptures better and he really shone well now the debate was never settled until years later when they <laughs> actually had the schools vote on, it. and of course they all voted for ACT, but but by that time it was a moot point. Mm-hmm. And so we have Luther here standing at the Diet of Arms as a condemned heretic, and he leaves mm-hmm. and he's captured by a bunch of kidnappers. <laughs> And these kidnappers take him to the Wartburg Castle. Huh. They are friendly. They call him Junkers George. Friendly kidnappers. Yep. They, if he,
0: you're going to be kidnapped, at least it's good to have some from friends do it, I guess. Yes.
1: This was to protect him. This yeah. was to protect him, to keep him safe, and so he wouldn't be killed. And yeah. so there he is in the Wartburg Castle. He's called <laughs> Junkers George. He grows a beard. He's there. What's he going to do there? He translates the New Testament. Oh, neat. And he is a first-rate German scholar. I mean, obviously, that's his language. Yeah. But he mastered it in such a way that he did for probably the
0: German language what Shakespeare has done for the English language. Oh, that's neat. Now, uh, I see that we've come to the end (laughs) already today. This went extremely fast. But this is a great segue. Uh, We're talking about... Uh, Martin Luther, and now towards the end of our discussion today, we're talking about him translating the scriptures uh, into the common language. And hopefully that'll set it up to uh, another discussion for another plain answer where we talk about Bible translation. So, uh, Mark, if someone wants to read a little bit more about Martin Luther, are there any references or anything that they could consult? Probably the best book to read for Martin Luther is Roland Bainton's Here I
1: Stand. And another place you can go, uh, if you're listening to Redeemer Broadcasting, they have advertised this, the Lutheran Hour. Yeah. They have made a wonderful video series on Martin Luther and his life. So that would do that, and I would definitely look at the Luther movie. Very
0: good. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Our guest has been Pastor Mark Diedrich, and uh, he's kind of a Luther um, expert in a way. And so, thank you for joining us.
1: Yes, well, you're welcome. Uh, full disclosure: I'm a Presbyterian minister who was a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod member for many, many years. See, there's the tie, and right. still love the
0: LCMS. <laughs> the, you know, we, great church. We have a, a dear chief engineer who does as well. You've been listening to a Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of. A plain answer.